What's up, everybody? How you guys doing today? Good to see you. So great to see you. Also, to everybody joining us from wherever you are online, so great to have you with us. Man, can I just tell you, I love you guys. Like, I love coming here on the weekends. I look forward to seeing you. And I love that you look forward to coming here and seeing me, too. Uh, it's so great to, to be with you. Um, what an incredible weekend it was last weekend. Uh, there was so much life on this campus. If you're online, I hate that you missed it, but we had tailgating going on. We had baptisms. We had hot dogs. We had an incredible time in the service. We had an incredible time outside of the service. And... Call me a prophet because they won and Mahomes got the MVP. I'm just saying, you have not because you ask not. Chiefs kingdom, I'm not going to be the obnoxious guy who wears the Mahomes jersey again this week because we're world champions for I got a whole year now. So uh, it is what it is. All right, we're going to kick off something new. So I got a question for you and I want you to think about it. You don't need to say anything out loud, fellas, filter. Maybe I'll give you an opportunity to answer out loud in a minute. If I were to ask you, what topic, what subject did Jesus talk about when he was walking on the earth, when he was teaching and preaching? What topic or subject did he talk about more than any other topic? Do you know what it is? Dang it, I just told you to think about it and not say anything. I'm just kidding. How many of you think you know what it is? Anybody want to take a stab in front of a big room full of strangers? Money. Money is correct. Jesus did not talk about love the most. He did not talk about faith the most. He did not talk about joy the most. In fact, he talked about money more than love and faith combined, which leads us to what this series is going to be. We have a, a, a great next season plan, this series. And I'm excited because this could be a real turning point for some of us in our relationship with Jesus and our relationship with our families. This could actually change everything about our life. And so we're actually not talking about money, but we are, but we're not. But we have this thing called the million dollar question. And I hear this all the time. And I've had this question as a follower of Jesus. And it's this, the million dollar question is, if God does it, because we've been, been told God created everything, everything's God's. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need my money, right? Correct. So then the million dollar question is this, if God doesn't need my money, why does he talk about it so much? You ever thought about it? Right? Go, God doesn't need your money. The church doesn't need your money. God doesn't need your money. The church doesn't need your money. Both those things are, well, one of those things is really true. The other one's kind of true. Um, God doesn't need your, but, but this is the million dollar question. And this is what we're going to address over the next several weeks. And again, it may not be exactly what you think. If God doesn't need my money, why does he talk about it so much? And the answer actually has nothing to do with money. The answer is found all the way back in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, which says this, above all else, the most important thing, guard your wallet. <laughs> Did I get it wrong? Oh, it says, above all else, guard your Venmo. Guard your PayPal. Guard your 401k. No, it says, guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do. All of life itself flows from it. Jesus talked about money all the time because he was trying to get to our hearts. And when he created us and we messed it up and sin came, he knew there was a direct link between money and our 
heart. So we're gonna dive into the scripture, but I wanna start here because we are going to ask this million dollar question, but we're gonna do it in a sequence. And I really, really, I mean, I'm really, really full of faith that this could be revolutionary for some of us in our, our faith journey with Jesus. And, uh, and so we've been praying a lot about this and I'm excited to, to walk through this. And so I wanna read the words of Jesus. If you have your version app or your Bible, um, you can turn to Matthew chapter seven. I wanna show you um, the same thing Jesus said twice in a parallel passage. I will also have it here, but I want you to get the words of Jesus. Matthew seven is the Sermon on the Mount. We just did a five week series on the Sermon on the Mount. We didn't talk about this, but Jesus says this in Matthew chapter seven. He says, do not judge or you too will be judged. In the same way you judge others, you will be judged, okay? So he's talking here about judgment, right? That's the first part. Then the second part, he says this, and with the measure, somebody say measure. measure. You use, it will be used to you. So Jesus is talking about judgment, but he says, in whatever measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. Why do I say that? Because if you've been in church very long or grew up in church like I did, this idea, this scripture of measure is used a lot when it comes to money and offering. Jesus says it. Now, if you flip over to Luke chapter six, it's the parallel passage and it starts the exact same way and it ends the exact same way, but he actually throws something else in the middle. Same, same thing he said, a different author. And so Luke six says it this way, do not judge and you won't be judged. Don't condemn and you won't be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. And watch this in verses 38. And this is like probably the number one tithe offering and giving verse in the Bible. This or Malachi 3.10. Give and it will be given back to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Will it be poured into your lap? For with the same measure you use, it will be used to you. Now, let me ask you a question. I just read you two passages, words of Jesus himself. How many times did he mention money there? Zero. He talked about forgiveness, judgment, condemnation, and giving. And what's interesting is the word money doesn't appear at all. What else is interesting is it's us, not him, because when we hear the word give, we think what? Money. Jesus isn't talking about money. He's talking about if you're judgmental, you can expect a good measure of judgment to come back on you. If you condemn others and look down on them, you can expect a, the same measure to come back on you. If you happen to be a good person of forgiveness, you can expect a good measure of forgiveness to come back. He's speaking about a truth, a principle, and a law that he put when he created this thing, that whatever is, is sown is reaped. It's going to come back to you. And then he says, give. And when he says give, there's a whole lot into that. We're gonna talk about that. So over the next couple of weeks, we are gonna talk about giving. We're gonna talk about stewardship. We're gonna talk about generosity, but we're gonna talk about way more than money, but it's gonna be answering the question. And I think we're gonna have a great, clear, biblical, theological, and way better answer than some of us have too. If God doesn't need my money, why does he talk about it so much? And we're gonna to start today because today we have to start the conversation with where Jesus started the conversation. He talked about money because it's all about about the heart. If someone were to ask me, you know, hey, pastor, how often do you talk about giving? I would say to them, I talk about giving all the time. Because I can't talk about marriage without talking about giving. 
giving your heart, serving. I can't talk about serving without giving. I can't talk about love without giving. I can't talk about salvation without talking about giving. I can't talk about, about anything we talk about without giving. Now, if you were to ask me, how often do I talk about money? Every 18 to 24 months, I do like one mini series on it. We haven't done ones for like two years. We didn't pass buckets. We didn't charge you for parking. The coffee was free. We haven't asked for anything in return. We don't talk about money. But what's one of the greatest narratives out there? The church just talks about money all the time. Yeah, some of them do. We don't. Because I know that God doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. And I want you to hear from your pastor's heart. This can change your life. And so here's, here's why we're doing this. And here's what God knows and why we have to start the conversation here. And this is what it's all about the heart is, is because God knew, God knows, he knows us, he knows us, he knows us. And we can try to convince anybody else. But the truth is your heart is connected to your wallet. Your heart is connected to your wallet. I'm a, I'll show you and prove it in a minute. If you're 35 and under, the wallet is this thing we put our money and credit cards in in the back of our, we used to carry this thing called cash. Um, if you're 35 and under, you could just say your heart is connected to your Venmo. Your heart is connected to your cash app. Your heart is connected to your Zelle or your PayPal or your Robinhood or your TD Ameritrade, whatever. Your, your, your <laughs> online betting, whatever. There's a string, you can't see it, but there's a string that runs right from your heart to your wallet. And here's what God knows. And here's the heart of your pastor, completely unfiltered, completely vulnerable. God knows it. And here's what I know, because it's true for me too. God knows that if he can get to my wallet, he can get to my heart. If, he, if God has my money, if he has control of my money, if I'm living by his way, if he has access to how I spend my money, he has access to my heart. And by the way, those aren't my words. Those are Jesus. So for all of you who are mad at me right now, you can be mad at Jesus. Those of you who claim to be Christians and Jesus followers, Matthew 6, 21, Jesus said, for wherever your treasure is, there's where your heart is. He said, your heart follows your treasure. Here's how I know that's true. The stock market has been going forever. You never paid attention a day in your life. You didn't care until the first time you put something into a stock. Now, all of a sudden, how's the stock doing? How's Microsoft doing? How's Apple doing? You didn't care. Why? You didn't care about it yesterday, but once you put some money in it today, why? Because of your treasure's there, so your heart follows your treasure. Come on. I don't care how Microsoft's doing, unless they have $1,000 of my future money. You bet on a game, which may or may not be ill-advised. <laughs> a team you don't even like and players you don't even know. You're checking the score in the app. You're on Instagram right now. We should be in service. And you're like, oh, it's the second quarter. He's only got 37 yards. Why? Because you bet on that game and now you're checking on it because where your treasure is, your heart is because your heart always follows your treasure. Everybody else is investing in Amazon. They're all freaking out. You're not invested in Amazon. You don't care how Amazon does. Why? Because your treasure is not in it. This is what Jesus is talking about. And then what is he talking about? He's talking about judgment, forgiveness, condemnation, and he's saying, whatever measure you use, it will be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together and running over. And so what I wanna do is take us to a passage. I wanna make four observations in the time that we have together about how can I get this thing right in my heart? Because we are not the church that does um, um, do the right thing only. We are the church that's like, we want our hearts to be right. And we think doing the right thing comes from doing it for the right reasons. 
right? Behavior modification is a farce. It doesn't work. It's, it's garbage. It's, it's frustrating. Um, but if you can change your mind and change your heart and live from the inside out, um, all the things kind of follow and settle into the right places from all the problems that our world is having. And so God wants your heart. We want your heart. It, 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 that's how we want it. And, and all I want as a pastor, um, I don't care if it's a big church. I want to have a big impact. I want to make disciples. I don't care how much money we have. I just want to make people who follow Jesus, trust Jesus, and allow him to shape their lives. And he knows what's true about me is probably true about you, that if, if, if he has access and he's in control of my money, that's like the most personal thing to me. Because I got to take care of a family and a team and a business and a community and all these things. So Deuteronomy chapter 15, let me give you a tiny bit of context. Deuteronomy is, is uh, part of the books of Moses. Moses has spent two different times, spent 40 days up in the mountain with God, God talking like la 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 audible, like tell them this, write this down, Moses, you'll forget. Twice he went up, I don't know if you know this, two different times, two 40 day stints. Because the first time he came down 10 commandments, he got mad, he broke them, had to go back, get them redone. Um, Saul in Exodus. Uh, and so the, the book of Deuteronomy is God speaking to his people, the people who would say, I love God, I follow God. This is how I want you to behave. It's gonna look different than the rest of the world. The other one other thing you need to understand, because it's gonna be referenced in point three, I think it is. There was this thing called the year of Jubilee where what God, God's economy is different than the world's economy. Come on, somebody. And what he said is um, uh, every seven years, we're gonna wipe all the debts clean. It's called the year of Jubilee. Every seven years, all debts were paid, wiped off. Um, there were all accounts were settled. Now it was a different time in history that there wasn't much room for materialism. So you could just max out the credit cards. Most debts were you sold yourself for indenture servanthood or you sold or traded land or whatever. And so it was about needs, not wants. Let's be really clear about that. There's a huge difference. So, so there's a part of that. So that was called the year of Jubilee. So we're gonna look at what God told the people how to live when it comes to this idea of our heart. And we're gonna answer the question. What I wanna talk about today is how do we develop a heart of generosity? How do we develop, how do we get the right heart? Now, how do we do the right thing? Now, how do we obey the right law? Now, how do we obey the right command? How, now, how do we live by the right principle? All those things are good, but why? Why, why, why is the most important thing? How do we develop a heart of generosity? And so here's, what, here's where we're gonna start. Deuteronomy chapter 15. We're just gonna read a couple of scriptures and we're gonna pull four observations, four things from these scriptures. We're gonna start here in verse seven. So God says to his people this, if anyone is poor among you, your fellow Israelites, if anyone in the towns of the land of the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard what? Hard-hearted. Hard don't be closed up. Don't, don't, don't look at, at, at them like you're looking at me right now. <laughs> By the way, there's no offering at the end of this. We're not asking for your money today. I promise. I just want your heart. He says, don't be hard-hearted. Don't be closed off. They'll be like, here we go again. And he says, or be tight-fisted towards them. Instead, verse eight, be open-handed and freely lend them to whatever we need. Now, uh, I need a volunteer. I need somebody to help me with something. Dom, you want to come be a part of this message with me? Yeah. Okay, let's go, Dom. Come on up here. All right, I need your help. But, but don't, don't be slow about it, all right? Uh, <laughs> as he moves in slow motion. So Dom, I need you to come stand like right here, right here, okay? So God says, when people need something, I don't want you to be tight-fisted. I want you to be open-handed. So here's what I'm gonna do. I have a jar of nickels. First of all, how heavy is that, by the way? That's, it's light? Oh, then you're really strong. You're way stronger than me. Okay, so I need you to take one hand, put it behind your back, and I need you to take one hand and cup it, whichever one you want, and I'm gonna pour these nickels in your hand. And God is saying, I want you to be open-handed, okay? So I'm gonna pour a few nickels. 
There you go. Okay, now, most of them stayed in. A few fell out. Don't worry about it, Dom. Don't worry about it. Now, how could we get more in there? One more hand. All right, let's see how many of these we can get. Okay, so, so here's God saying, I'm going to give you what you need. I'm going to give you more than you need, and I just want you to be open-handed. Now, you got quite a bit in there. Now, here's what I want you to do, Dom. I need you to separate your hands, and I need you to close them as tight as you can. Nope, separate them, cheater. Oh, did you see what just happened? The minute he went tight-fisted, some of what was intended for him fell to the wayside. Now, here's how it works with God. Put those hands together, but keep them tight, tight-fisted. See, what God wants is us to have our open hands because he wants to continue to pour in for two reasons. I'm gonna take care of you. And I'm gonna give you a little bit more than you need because you're gonna help me take care of some other people. But here's the problem with being tight-fisted. I'm gonna keep pouring and you just try to catch it, okay? No, tight-fisted, cheater. How many did he get? Like one. Four, dad was counting. 20 cents, son, you can come home. <laughs> what happened? God wasn't done pouring. God wasn't done pouring. But the minute we go from open-handed to close-handed, a couple things happen. It's all we have the capacity to hold. God can't bless us anymore. And our ability to bless somebody else is limited. Again, not my words. This is God who spoke audibly to Moses on a freaking mountain. And he said, don't be tight-fisted with what I give you. How much money did Dom have before he came up? None. How much does he have now? Whatever. Where'd it come from? Dom didn't earn it. He just made a mess. The provider did. Now, here's the problem. I got five more services, so I'm going to need all that back. Thank you. Give Dom a hand. Don't worry, if it was the sixth service, you wouldn't get it either. <laughs> God says, everything I give you, everything I wanna trust you with, just keep open-handed. Sometimes it's for you, and sometimes it's for other people. But the minute you do this, a couple things happen. You start to even lose what you had, and there's no more room for me to give you anything else. And so God's saying, let's remember it all starts here. Again, you don't want to miss a week of this. And so how do we do this? How do we make sure our hearts allow our hands to stay open and not tight-fisted? Well, let's look at this and we're going to draw four conclusions. And so the next verse, he says this, verse nine. He says, be careful not to harbor this wicked. Somebody say wicked. Yay. Thought. I told you about the year of Jubilee, right? Every seven years, he's going to reference that. The, he says, don't think this way. Every seventh or the, the seventh year, the year before the canceling is dead is near. So you do not show ill will towards the needy among your fellow Israelites and give them nothing. They may then appeal to the Lord against you and you will be found guilty of sin. So in other, in other words, here's what God's saying. If you know next year is the year of Jubilee and somebody needs something and they would normally have six years to repay it, but next week is New Year's Day, don't think to yourself, well, I would help this person, but there's no way they're gonna pay me back, so I'm gonna be tight-fisted with it. Do you see what he's saying? And so what he's, he's addressing is this idea is, is the first thing we learn is how, remember, we're answering the question, how do I develop, somebody say develop, it's like a muscle you learn, how do I develop a heart of generosity? How do I develop trust? How do I give God my heart? First thing right here in verse nine, we have to deal with a selfish heart. Somebody say selfish. selfish. 
We have to deal with the selfish heart. What is he saying? He's saying, where normally you would lend, but you know you're never gonna give it back. You're never gonna get it back, and so you wouldn't lend. He goes, don't think that way. He says, do not think that way. And it's interesting, he actually uses the word wicked. So in the kingdom, according to God, selfishness equals wickedness. Selfishness is wickedness. I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but this might be worth thinking about for a second. Why did God even create giving? Why did he create giving? If God really doesn't need our money, why did he create giving? Do you think he created giving because he needs our help to support his work? <laughs> this dude speaks planets into existence that worship him. Do you think he needs our help? Why did he create giving? Do you think like the light bill's just getting too much in heaven with the, all the upgrades and the, the power outages and LCEC somehow got to heaven and like, man, we got to help us out. Like, I don't know if we're going to be able to finish these gold streets, the, the capital gains up in heaven. Like, do you think he's just running low on funds? Then why did he create giving? He didn't create giving for his sake. He created giving for our sake. And here's why. Here's because there's two things that are going to keep you from following Jesus. There's two things that are going to keep you from being like Jesus. There's going to be two things that keep your hard heart. There's going to be two things that make it really hard for you to actually be the Christian you want to be, say you want to be. There's going to be a couple things that are going to keep you from being the spouse you want to be. There's a couple things that are going to keep you from being the parent you want to be. There's a couple things that are going to keep you from being the boss you want to be, the coworker you want to be, the neighbor you want to be. There's a couple things that are going to keep you. You know what those two things are? Greed and selfishness. If you need, if you love you some you and it's all about you, that's gonna be a rough house. That's gonna be a rough parenting situation. That's gonna be a rough marriage. That's gonna be a rough boss to work for. Man, it's all about him. It's all about her. It's all about him. It's all about her. That's tough. So why did God create giving? Because giving more than any other action roots out greed and selfishness in our lives. God gave us giving because he's like, I know how much you guys love yourselves and your stuff. I know you love your stuff. And so I want to make sure you have a life, you have a lifestyle, a posture of it's just all his and I'm glad he trusts me with it, but he can do whatever he wants with it. And all of those things, giving more than any other activity works out selfishness and greed out of our hearts and out of our lives. And, here, and I'll be honest, I'm just going to be honest with you for a second. That's why I haven't, this is why I haven't loved a ton of the messages and a ton of the books. I've loved some of them. In the Christian industry, in the, war, in the following of Jesus world, uh, growing up. It's honestly why as a pastor in 2023, truthfully, I'm a little bit uncomfortable talking about it. Not because I'm afraid of the truth, not because I don't believe it, not, not, not that at all, but because I'm so aware of how, how hijacked the narrative is and how much even the church has missed it in the past. Because so many of the giving messages and the generosity messages and the stewardship messages, and even the messages were uh, supposed to be about the heart. There was actually a really backwards narrative. And it was this whole, it was the idea we see in verse 38 in Malachi 3.10, all these things. And it was this, give so that you can get. If you give, God will give you back more. It's not biblical. It's not true, but the, but the main narrative is give to get. Give to get. If you give, you're gonna get more. We've heard it. It's, it's, why, I, it's why often when I'm up here on the stage, I say the prosperity gospel is garbage because that's the prosperity gospel. It's give to get. And here's the problem with give to get. If you're giving just to get, what's in your heart? Greed. Selfishness. And actually all we're discipling then as pastors is more greed and selfishness into you. Here's the biblical narrative of giving. Give 
to give. Just give to give. And that's what's in the Bible. That's what's in Deuteronomy. By the way, so all Old Testament, it was in Genesis before the law. It was in the law. Jesus taught it and did it. Paul taught it and did it. They did it in the New Testament. It's Genesis to Revelation. And so for us, we are a give to give church because Jesus is a give to give God. Wait for a couple weeks. Oh, it's going to get so much better. There's so much I want to say, but not, 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 not this week. And so if you give a little, the, the method, the, the, the narrative has been, if you give a little, God will give you more. Well, again, that just fosters greed and it fosters selfishness versus give to give. That just fosters generosity. Now we start looking a lot like, more like Jesus. And again, I also know there's like kind of this narrative out there that as a pastor, I know the kind of the two main thoughts and many of you, I'll just be a mind reader for a minute, have already had this thought in this message. Either number one, the church just wants your money or number two, if I give, God will get me, give me more. And I'm not talking about either of those things. We're not talking about that. I don't believe either of those things. That's not, we don't want, just want your money. We want you to know Jesus. And we want you to become who he created you to be. We want him to have your heart. And we know all the things will take care of itself there. And we, we are not gonna say give so God gives you more. We're saying give so that you can just be generous and live a generous lifestyle. But I am asking the question, how's your heart? How's my heart? Does God really have, oh, God has my heart. I sing it every other weekend when Desi sings a song. Does he? Does he have your treasure? I'm at, I, what I'm saying is God is interested in your heart and he knows if he can get to your wallet, Venmo, Cash App, PayPal, he can get to your heart. Now, ladies, I, I have to make a confession in this broken world. There's just one area of selfishness that us men will never get over. It's never gonna happen, not till Jesus redeems us. We do not want to share our food. And this baffles me because we will plan, we will get a babysitter, we will even save money, we will not do other things. So we can take you out somewhere really nice and we will say this and we will mean it. Get whatever you want. Get whatever you want. Doesn't matter, most expensive thing. And we don't even need to look because we either knew what we were gonna get when we got there or the first thing we see looks good like, I'm hungry. <laughs> and then what will inevitably happen is we will order something and then you'll say something crazy. Oh, that sounds good. Well, then you better stink and order it. <laughs> well, that doesn't really make sense. Why would we get two of the same thing? Because I'm eating all of this. <laughs> and if you want it, you're gonna be, it's gonna be really painful for you to watch me eat the thing you really want. <laughs> I've sat at tables with women who don't even know me that well. I'm like, oh, I just wanna try a bite of that. I'm like, you're not my wife, girl. I barely know you. We go, and listen, fellas, if you're newly married, don't fall into this trap. You go into a, a, like a drive-through, like even fast food. Oh, I'm not hungry. I don't want anything. That's a lie. <laughs> they want whatever you ordered. And so if you can afford it, let me just help you. If they ever say, I'm good, I don't want anything, just get two of whatever you want. <laughs> just get two. Get two Chick-fil-A sandwiches, two fries, get two shakes, do two of them. <laughs> it's never gonna happen, ladies. Sorry, it's our brokenness. We repent, we sin, we, we, we need Jesus. It's never gonna change. So you have to develop, number one, you have to develop a heart of generosity. Okay, here's the second part we're gonna see in verse, next verse, verse 10. He also goes on, he goes, we're gonna develop a heart of generous, generosity. He goes, give generously them among, without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. Uh, actually, the, the New King James says the word grieved. 
you shall surely give to him and your heart shall not be grieved. So what's interesting is when you give, when you start to let go of your treasure that you worked hard for and you deserve and you worked hard for and you deserved, oh wait, it all came from God. Never mind. Thank you, Lord. Is you have to not only fight selfishness on the front end, but you have to fight grief on the back end. Deal with a grieving heart is number two. See, it says God blesses us when our heart is right. You ever heard of buyer's remorse? Like a house, a TV, a car, like, oh man. There's actually giver's remorse. And here's the thing, I'm, I'm gonna make you promise right now. If you follow Jesus deeply enough and long enough, he's gonna ask you to give something painful away at some point. Yep. Yep. And if he hasn't yet, your day's coming. <laughs> and if it doesn't, it's cool. He loves shallow Christians too. I shouldn't have said that. I should not have said that. We might not want to put that online. I ha hey, listen, we gave a car away when we had no money. We have tithed when our budget was in the red, when we first had kids and there were medical problems. I know what it's like to give something that you literally can't afford to give. The grief is real. So we don't pretend it's not there. Oh, God, just bless God. No, it was hard. Oh, it's so painful. So you have to learn how to deal with it. You have to deal with the selfishness on the front end. You have to deal with the grief on the back end, let go. And, 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 and especially if you've ever made like a gift, like this is inevitably, I can tell you what happened. They'll do like a missions campaign or a building campaign. And they'll go, what can you pledge every month for three years? And like, we're all in, Jesus spoke to us. We fast and we were crying. I will promise you, half of you, this is gonna happen to you. The minute you make that commitment, your car's gonna break down, the refrigerator's gonna break down, a hurricane's gonna take your roof, something's gonna happen. And you're like, why God, why? Because the devil knows the last thing God's gonna get is your wallet. And if he can get your wallet, he's got you and the devil's in big trouble. And so he's gonna attack your finances however he can. I don't know one person who hasn't either dipped into generosity or gotten saved and immediately things didn't get harder first. Why? Because there's, there's a wrestling match going on. It actually just, as we're talking about money, it just occurred to me. Um, I actually have to take care of something and I forgot all my cash. I don't have any cash. Oh, sweet, dude. No, thank you. Oh, $100. Perfect. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you. You just helped me take care of something. Thank you. I appreciate it. Some of you are like, whoa, what just happened there? Actually, it's a real big thing. I got to help somebody with. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. See, here's what you don't know. He, he just jumped up. Jesse just jumped up and gave it to me. Man, are you so generous? Why was Jesse so generous? Because like 15 minutes ago, I gave this to him. <laughs> And I told him, when I say this, bring it back to me. <laughs> this is mine. This isn't the church's. This isn't Jesse's. It's mine. <laughs> is Jesse sad he just gave me this? Is there any grief? Why? Come on. Because it was never his. We could just shut it down. Altars. Let's go. It was never his. It was eaten off. I said, Jesse, every service, I need you to get 600 out of your account every service with no guarantee you're going to get it back. You think there'd be a little greed? You think there'd be a little grief? Yep. Oh, God. Do you know what that does for a college student? That's like a year's wages. Easy to let go of. Why? It was never his. What if we had that mentality with all the things in our life? God, I don't really have to wrestle grief because everything I have came from you. Well, a whole lot more on that next week. We got to wrap up number three. We'll go quick through these last two. Verse uh, 14, I believe it is. He says, we're still talking about generosity. He says, supply them liberally. Somebody say liberally. 
from your flock, your threshing floor, and your wine press. He's saying, however you get stuff, be generous with it. Liberally means just give to them as the Lord your God has blessed you. So number one, we're going to develop or we're going to work against the selfish heart. Number two, we're going to work against a grieving heart. But then number three, we're going to kind of flip the script and now we're going to develop a generous heart. He says, don't just, he says, oh, you, you know, you, you, you can't eat, you, you, need, you need some gas. Here, here's a good 25 cents worth. He says, give liberally. Don't just give a little, give generously. Develop a generous heart. From what, and uh, go back to the scripture for a second. Watch what it says at the very end. Give to them as the Lord your God. Remember, he's blessed you. So give liberally. See, here's what's interesting. We're all born selfish. We're born selfish. But did you know you're born again generous? You're born self. How do you know you're born selfish? What's one of the first words you don't ever have to teach a kid? Mine. Mine. You don't have to teach a kid how to be selfish. You have to teach him how to share. Spiritual kids are no different from our heavenly father. God doesn't have to teach us how to be selfish spiritually. He has to teach us how to be generous. We have to de develop a generous heart. See, there's a part of you when you say yes to Jesus, there's a part of you that's born again that wants to be generous and that's where the wrestling match comes in. Some of you, you just think I'm talking crazy up here. It's because you've never been born again yet. You've never let Jesus be in your heart. And so this actually sounds like uh, wah, 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 German. I mean, it's, it's caught. But when God comes into you, like there's something in you, like I want to be generous, but there is still that party that doesn't. And that's where the wrestling match comes in, which is why you have to starve out the selfishness and greed. And you have to start to develop the muscles of generosity. See, God's trying to teach his children to share. What's interesting about when your kids argue about whose is what, who bought all of it anyway? We did. I bought all of it. And they're like, it's mine, it's mine. I mean, I have a 12-year-old daughter and a one-year-old son. And the, my one-year-old son will walk into my 12-year-old daughter and he'll, that, that's mine. I'm like, I just, I'm gonna be like, I paid for all of it. I'll burn all of it. I don't care. Like, it's none of, none, it's nobody's, it's mine. He's one, let him be. Right? Because it all came from us anyway. We do this all the time with God's stuff. It's like, no, I can't let go, it's mine. God's like, oh, don't forget where this came from. Share. And so a great regular prayers, Lord, what would you have me give? And by the way, I'm not just talking about money. There's a whole lot more, more on that next week. We're not just talking about money. Last thing, verse 15. Remember that you were slaves. Oh, this is the best part. I should have went faster because I want to talk more about this. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. See, if you don't know the story, 420 years, they were slaves in Egypt and it was not good. Watch this. He says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. That is why I've given you this command. Oh, this is awesome. And we miss this as Christians. He says, the giving thing isn't just even to be generous. The giving thing isn't just to give. The giving thing is because before you knew me, you were a slave to something. You were a slave to pornography. You were a slave to depression. You were a slave to addiction. You were a slave to greed. You were a slave to materialism. You were a slave to selfishness. You were a slave to loneliness. You were a slave to but somewhere I came in, God, I rescued you. And every time somebody asks why you're generous, don't say because we have to give to give. Every time somebody asks why you give, say, oh, let me tell you about how we were slaves for 400 years and God came and rescued us. And every time we give, it's actually to point back to the testimony of what Jesus did in our lives. I love this verse. He says, remember you were a slave. And so when you give, 
Yeah, you're being a light. Yeah, you're being obedient. Yeah, good job. But let it always be the story that you tell. I came from nothing. I was nothing. I was a a no good for nothing. And Jesus found me and he saved me and he gave everything to me. And so the least I can do is give what he asked me to give back because it's all his anyway. So let it be connected. And if you want, you didn't know that your money could lead to evangelism. Why are you generous? Oh, I, I was a slave. And so we develop a grateful heart. Number four. How do you do this? You develop a grateful heart. Remember, everything you have came from me. Remember, you were slave. See, generosity always comes from gratitude. When you remember that you were a slave, you can't help to be like, yeah, here, Lord, have it, take it, use it. But when you start to think you were something, you earned your salvation, you're worthy, that you, you deserved it, and he asked for it, you're like, who are you? He's like, I'm your rescuer, your savior. I'm the one who bailed you out of that terrible mess the depression. I'm the one who got you out of that relationship. I'm the one who brought you into a a community. I'm the one who turned your finances around. I'm the one who showed you joy. I'm the one who, I'm the one who, I'm the one who let it always point to our salvation. I remember um, growing up in church and I remember being old enough to want to know how much my dad tithed when he was on staff. And so I would always try to find out. We, they did these things called checks back in the day. Um, Again, you can Google it. Uh, and my dad was like a small business owner. I don't have his permission to tell this story, but he's on his way to the Dominican, so it's fine. Um, uh, but I remember one time, this is early, mid-80s. I was just old enough to do math, and I knew about tithe. I knew the 10th. We'll talk about that. And I, I remember watching him write a $300 check. And I was like, 300 is one-tenth of 3,000. And he does this every month. My dad makes $36,000. We're rich. No wonder we play golf and go to the athletic club. We're rich. And he didn't know I peaked. But I remember watching them live a lavish life of generosity, even though we only had $36,000. And when I would ask, Dad, why do you give? He would say, because the Lord has commanded, but you know what he would always do? He would tell the story of drug abuse and prison and alcoholism. And he would always connect his giving to the story of God. I was a slave and God freed me. So I got the blessing of knowing that generosity wasn't just an obedient thing because as we go to church and it's what you do and you check the box and it may keep us from being stricken by lightning when we leave into the parking lot. (laughs) And you're only laughing because that's what you've thought your whole life. It was... I had nothing, I should be dead. He, this is his testimony, he'll say it. You know, I've heard him say it a million times. I should be dead, I should have died a couple of different times. Yet God saved me. And so I will only always give him everything he asks for. And so for me, and so when he gave me my first allowance and he taught me the tithing, it was always connected to, let's not remember, let's not forget we were slaves. So as we close, here's all I want you to think about. Who really has your heart? Who really has your heart? Does Jesus, is he in control of all of it? Or are you in charge? Does he have your wallet? Does he have access? Does he have your time? Does he have your talent? Does he have your expertise? Does the world have your heart? Does your bank account have your heart? I'm gonna give you a little good advice. The one that you can trust with your heart is the one who created you and loves you most. He's the one who will never leave you failing. This is a challenge challenge for anyone who's never heard this. 
But you know what? This is also a challenge for a lot of us who've heard this growing up as well. God wants your heart. And so if you were to be honest with yourself, and I'm not going to ask you, but if you were to be honest with yourself, what's the posture of your heart today? Is it this? Or is it this? Because Jesus said in his word, in Genesis and in the law and in the gospels and in the New Testament and in Revelation, that we should live like this. He said, when you're tight-fisted, it limits my ability to bless you and it limits my ability to use you. But if you'll be open-handed and you'll be generous and you'll trust me with this, I will do what only I can do. So what's the posture of your heart? So a great question for us to walk away this week asking is God, is there anything I'm holding on too tightly that you need me to let go of? Is there anything I'm holding on too tight that you're asking me to let go of? I'll just spoil this thing for you. If you go all in with Jesus, he's gonna ask for everything. And he's gonna give most of it back, but he just wants you to live like this and not like this. And maybe for some of us, the miracle that God could do would be when we walk out of here today, the posture of our heart moves from this to this. And if you've never given your heart to God, I'm just gonna pray for all of us and now would be a great time to do that as well. Again, this is just week one. Maybe none of you will come back the next couple of weeks. <laughs> I think you will, because I think you want this. So will you pray with me as we close? Heavenly Father, I pray that we would be honest with ourselves. I thank you, God, that everything we have comes from you and that this matters a lot to you, God, that, that you only talked about money so much because you knew it would get our attention because it's connected to our hearts and you don't want or need our money. You just want our hearts. And so God, I pray that we would be willing to assess. Is there something we're willing to let go of? Is there something we're needing to let go of? Do you have our heart? And so God, my prayers for anybody here that has never given you their heart, that they're making a decision right now behind a screen or in their seat. God, you have my heart. I want you to have my heart. And God, I pray that we would be courageous enough this week to walk out of here and ask the question, is there anything God you'd have me let go of? And at the very least, God, would you help the posture of our heart to go from tight-fisted to open-handed? And we recognize that everything we have comes from you. God, I pray that you would do a miraculous deep work that would be profound in our spiritual journey and even in the, uh, just the spiritual life of our church over these next few weeks, not because it has anything to do with money, but it has everything to do with us knowing you and being who you made us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.